Okay, Three Point Range, the most underrated podcast in the podcast ecosystem. The podcast you know you should be listening to. You haven't listened to it yet. This is your chance. If you found us, stay right here. We'll be talking for about 30 to 40 to 50 minutes, and you will learn something, we hope. I'm Mike Berardino, joined, as always, by the Scout, Kimball Crosley. He came up with this concept, and so we usually let him go first. And we have Tim Crothers, the professor, who has many students in his classes and many former students, and all of them should be listening. Let's start with the Scout. <laughs> and where is the Scout on this night? I just arrived in West Palm Beach, Florida. I drove down from Jacksonville, Florida today. That's a fun drive. Um, yeah, it's, it, it wasn't Ooh, too bad. Seen it. Anyway, um, today I want to talk about, you know, I, I can't talk about too many specifics of baseball, certainly not about players. That's my job is to evaluate players for the San Diego Padres. But I can talk about this, and especially as the minor league season starts um, on May 4th. It got a late start this year because of COVID. And uh, some of you may or may not know that there are going to be some new rules they're going to experiment with at the minor league level. And they're kind of doing a different rule each level and, and all these different experiments to, to you know, and I guess the, they're trying to do different things with the game. And, and one of the things that they're trying to do is speed it up. But so here's some of the rules. And I kind of want to, I'll just go through them quickly, quickly say what I think of them. I don't and even know what to maybe, call the levels anymore. How annoying is that? But that's another thing. <laughs> maybe, and then maybe get uh, your take on these guys, on these rules, and we can talk about them. So at AAA, they're doing a, a kind of they're a wacky one. They're not calling it AAA, they are calling it AAA. Oh, Mike. the league. Um, they're so <laughs> And they're doing larger bases at AAA. Larger <laughs> bases. Why? Okay, from 15 inches to 18 inches. And I guess the theory being they, it, it, one thing they're talking about is safety, but also they're, they're, they think that if the base is larger, you know, you can get there quicker. And that might mean more action, more stolen bases and things like that, and bun attempts and stuff like that. And double A, they're basically trying to outlaw the shift and the way they're doing that. And it's a tough thing to regulate. So they, they, they have an interesting idea, which is they're saying that that you have to begin with at least four players on the infield dirt, okay? So so you can't have like your third baseman or shift over and be standing in short right field and as, as a lot of teams are doing now. So wherever they are, they have to be on the dirt. And I guess in the second half of the season, they will also have to be two and two positioned on each side of second base so that you can have three infielders on one side of either bag, of, of the bag on either side. And certainly not four. Um, and so then the at high A now, and so, okay, the large, I, I said I'd talk about each one at first and then open it up to you. The larger bases, if it's for safety, okay, whatever. But I, I don't really feel like it's that. And I, if it's for, you know, speeding up the game, more stolen bases, whatever, I think it's ridiculous. So I, I just think that one's a silly one. Defense positioning, totally against. Um, we can talk about these more in detail later, but that I don't like outlawing the shift. I think it's a, I love strategy in the game and anything the teams are doing, and then you can just work against it. I know there might be some interesting thoughts on that later. The, uh, okay, A ball, they have a rule about stepping off the mound, okay, when you're trying to pick a guy off. And the idea being that, you know, especially for left-handers now, 
um, it's not as easy to pick a guy off or throw over quickly to first, which will increase stolen bases. Okay. Now I don't I I, I don't like that rule. I think it's just gonna like slow the game up more. I'm I'm anti-stolen base. Okay. I think the game's about the battle of the strike zone and stolen base attempts and pickoffs and all that annoy me, which is kind of why I like the next rule at all low A leagues which is where they're going to limit the times a pitcher can throw over. Because that, to me, is the most annoying part of a baseball game, is a pitcher throwing over six, seven times, runner diving back in. And so they're going to say, this one's interesting. Um, you can, they're going to start with, you could throw over two times, but the third time's your last try. And if you don't get pick him off on that time, he goes to second base, and it, it's, or to the next base, I should say. You know, he might have been at second when he did. And it's called a balk. Um, and I think in a way that at least that now that becomes the throwover becomes exciting because with each throwover, now you know, you ramp up the intensity and the the implications. Um, so that one I think, okay, I kind of like because I think that will almost limit the stolen base and, and the throwover, or limit the throwover, which is worse than the stolen base. Um, and then we have the uh, automated strike zone, which we talked about a little last time. They're going to experiment with that in the low A league. One thing that we talked about is how uh, you, you might, we're afraid that they might exploit it by throwing some weird wiffle ball type pitches that just hit some part of the zone. Well, this is going to be a two-dimensional zone, which I didn't really realize um, before, that, that, that it's not going to be three-dimensional. So theoretically, that will limit maybe some of those weird, like we talked about the EFIS pitch. Um, and I guess I've never really, you know, known how much an umpire is thinking about three dimensions when he calls a strike. Um, so I don't know if that's a if that's a, a change that some people might not like. But you know, I'm for the automated strike zone. Um, and uh, I don't know. That's that's enough for us to talk about. We, I also will throw it out there: the extra inning rule, which is in place, and it's theoretically in place because of COVID, just like it was last year. But it feels like eh, it's a sneak attack and this thing's here to stay. <clears throat> and that is, of course, that extra inning games now start with the runner. And they have in the minor leagues for several years, but now in the major leagues, for the, they're doing it just as they did last year um, for the shortened season, where you start with the runner at second base in the 10th inning. And I'll tell you, I, I, I like this as a scout, okay, when it was at the minor league level, because as a scout, there was nothing – you've come to work, you, you, you're putting in a long day already, and and around the seventh inning of every game, and I always tell people, like, I love going to the ballpark every day. Like, I don't get sick of it. So you see 150 games a year. But around the seventh inning, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm overloaded. I've seen enough inf information. I know I have a lot of reports to write. I'm like, let's get out of here. So when a game goes extra innings, especially in the minor leagues, I'm like, no, no, no. And so when they had this minor league rule for the uh, – runner in second base, I was all for it. But now I come to think, you know what, maybe it's not the worst thing. I mean, it's 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 sacrilegious, but it makes some sense, especially if you're in just these tight games. I don't like that was to save pitchers and then teams just use up all their pitchers before the 10th now, so it's sort of more pitching changes than ever. But I do think it, it does add a level of excitement when the game, it goes into extra innings. And, um, and then there's roster size. We could talk maybe about September roster expansion how this year the rosters will only be 28 come September. And I don't, I think that seems a little light, but I always thought just don't let all 40 men 
uh, for 40 man expanded roster in September be eligible to play each day so you don't have these games with like, you know, 33 guys on each team playing and just ridiculous substitutions and a million pitching changes. All right, boys, your thoughts on any or all of those. Go ahead. Well, I, I just got a text from from our contingent of coal miner listeners and they're 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 uh they're they're very they're very sympathetic to the fact that you have to actually watch a watch a little extra baseball every night and how how tiring <laughs> that can be for you um but uh other than that, do that after putting in a long no, day no, Tim, a he, long when, day a long when, day of watching baseball Oh no, my no, gosh! But, but we have to write reports. We have to oh. go early for batting oh, practice. Oh, you have to write there's, stuff down. There's oh my travel. God. That's that's, no, that's, there's that's travel. entirely different. And, and the point is, they don't all you have of a to sudden travel. You have to travel to West Palm Beach. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> no one says. No one says at at the coal mine. No one says like, hey, uh, there's some good coal here today. We're gonna go extra innings today, and we're gonna stay. Who knows how long? We could stay for four. Because a lot of them are just working twenty-four-hour shifts, or or just or just that they just stay down in the coal mine all all day long and night. So. <laughs> they get the black lung and then they die. That's what happens. <laughs> right. mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, we get, right. I'll tell you the we one thing I got cancer a little, from radar guns. A couple things, yeah. A couple things that uh, jump out. I didn't read the whole story, but I was pleased to see. I believe Rich Hill, uh, one of the. Uh, well-traveled Rich Hill, Michigan man, smart guy. Uh, just I guess the term that made the headline on all his reaction to all this tweaking is called it Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse <laughs> stuff. And I just was pleased to see that from an active player who's seen it and done it and you know, had a nice run here. You know, made a hundred million dollars or something by now. And he's right, I, and largely. And I, what happened to the Atlantic League being the the test tube area? And the independent leagues and a couple others were being folded in somehow with a marketing agreement and they could run anything out there. Why are they doing this in the minor leagues where I know the results don't matter, but those players are all very close to being in the major leagues? And why, why are they working so hard to bastardize everything in the name of shaving 10 minutes off the game time and improving, you know, uh, Q ratings in, you know, infinitesimal? Well, look, I think some of them do make sense. And a couple of things the, the they're still using these in, the independent leagues. It's funny you should say that because these rules, um, I don't think are potentially damaging to any minor league players. Okay, none of these rules we've discussed is going to cause an injury. But in the Atlantic League, they're talking about doing you what steal they first. Before. No, no, no. They've talked about moving the uh, uh, rubber back. And crazy. And, and and that one could lead to injuries because when you've been throwing a ball sixty feet six inches for fifteen years and all of a sudden you know you add another foot, um, that could really change a lot of weird stuff. So so the, out of all that Atlantic stuff for stuff yeah, like that, that one that that's a that's waiting to that's a disaster. Uh, the the idea of having a double base essentially at first and that's not what they're saying they just made it a little bit bigger i don't really see why you need a little bit bigger base at second or third but the first base to eliminate the achilles blowout when the runner uh, steps on the first baseman's heel as happens a couple times a year it seems like yeah that's fine you want to go with soft and softball have a double base why well, you just give them the double base and they can run it you know at that last second and everybody tries to run in fair territory to disrupt throws and this and that um 
I just thought I still think that was the turn, just... you have the pivot mic, and that's that's where a lot of guys get hurt. That's what what, what about you know if the I'm with you on the general term, I guess that you know the pickoff throws are boring. So but again to to legislate out the certain number of the fourth pickoff throw and make it an automatic ball. I mean, if anything, I go the other way, make it um, a rule, get rid of the balk rule because they can never call it properly and no one really knows what it is until it's called. And it's, you know, it was Bob Davidson always called it. Just, just make it legal, do whatever you want, make it whatever you want. But um, I'm just troubled. Uh, I'm just troubled by this onslaught of annual tweakage now and it's just too much for me to process and even i'm to the point now i'm getting kind of angry about it even even if rob you know even if it had some merit i'm going to be against the concept of tweaking in the minors even that's what the atlantic and the independent leagues were for if they wanted to do that and yes you're right the first time a pitcher i mean well of course that's atlantic league where they're going to have the extra length, but th- everything seems to be getting into organized baseball now. And where does it stop? You're you're in your get off my lawn phase I of am. your life now. I am tonight. <laughs> I am. Well, you really it, are, and it's called progress, Mike. We talk about rule changes and improvements all the time, and they're not doing them. They're experimenting with them, and so some of them are good, and some of them are to counteract some of the complaints that they have, which is, as you may have noticed. You know, the balls in play less. There's less action for the people. And again, I've talked about it. It doesn't matter to me because I'm watching from behind home plate, watching the battle for the strike zone. But the fan down the right field line, there's nothing for them to watch. What about the guys in the coal in the coal mine watching it on the <laughs> black and white, the black yeah, and white? Good point. Uh, hey, uh, let me say, let me say too, before I forget, the uh, the idea of the um, shift. I did write a pretty lengthy look at that. In my hey, let's save that. Year. Let's save that. All right. Oh, let's save the talk. Yes. Let's uh, save that. I talk. strike that from the record, Tim. Yeah. Uh, the uh, gosh, I, that's that's a lot to unpack, Kimball. I'll I'll say I'll say this that the the base thing. It seems to me the bigger issue when you're talking about Achilles blowouts is is the fact that the base is raised. So I'm for I'm for going to the uh, rubberized orange bases that you drop down when you're playing like like soft rec softball or something. Uh, I think those, that would be the way to go there. Uh, as far as the, the, I, the steel thing I love as a former stolen base King of new Canaan, uh, Connecticut re- recreation baseball. I can tell you that, uh, I would have loved that rule that that's the best because I would just be over there trying to induce the throw every time. And, and so you get that first throw over, and then you, the next time you got to take a bigger lead, of course, right? And then you get that second throw over, and now it's like if I can just induce a third throw <laughs> to get the second base, I mean, I'm like, I, you're just pushing that, pushing the envelope every time, and it's it just seems that that seems ridiculous. I mean, I I, I think the I think this idea that that uh, you know we try rules out is fine. But it also reeks a, a bit of desperation to me. I had a I had a, a kid in my one of my classes this just this past week wrote about how baseball has become uh, essentially unwatchable, and and uh, I think that's why they're you know the the attitude of of the Gen Z uh, toward baseball 
is exactly the, the issue. It's what's scaring the heck out of Rob Manfred and the boys. And in his in his column, my student wrote that the average age of a baseball fan right now is 57 years old. I'm not sure exactly where he got that, but that's uh, if that's up. even close to true. That is that is uh, that's, that's a little frightening. That is a little frightening. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, bottom line is yes, we are we're at a point now where where uh, I think that the the powers that be in baseball are are just uh, grasping for straws and. Um, you know, I, the, I I don't I don't like much of much of any of it. I mean, I, I can I can uh, you know I can certainly see the merit of the of the extra inning rule. That's the one that's the one I can see the merit of because um, I you don't see many games going 12, 13, 14 innings anymore, which I, I guess is a good thing. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, if I was, I, I, it is my understanding. And correct me if I'm wrong, that. Uh, a relief pitcher who enters enters into the game in the extra innings and gives up gives up a run to the guy who starts out on second base. It's an earned run. No, I would it's, be it's pissed. Unearned. It's, it's unearned. It's unearned. Okay. All right. Well, then I feel better about that. But uh, still, that that would be that whole thing. I think is a little. It's a little. Uh, it's a little gimmicky. Uh, but if it get, if it if it gets you home earlier, Kimball, then I think that's really the most <laughs> important look, thing. Look, just, just, just be real, both of you. You know, when you watch a game, what annoys you? What, what pisses you off? And then that's all they're doing. Like, Did I have to watch like, the game? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you'll enjoy a game more that fits this way. You know, I mean, maybe you'll enjoy it. And, um, and I guess that's what, like, with extra innings, you know, you found that, that, like as as studies have shown like swings get bigger everyone's trying to end it with one swing so there's even less action than usual there's more strikeouts um the, the you know and then the scoreless frames pile up and really it's and then it's kind of doing what they want when you put a man at second all of a sudden you're introducing some of the strategy you see you see more bunts in this extra inning and 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 people like trying to move the runner over or hitting the other way than you do normally because people know hey this run's important whereas one of the reasons, you know, people don't do that, that people, oh, there should be more of this and this in the game. Teams are trying to win. And they realize that bunting and stealing and, and like reducing your swing usually hurts your chances for winning. Um, and if it helped you, more teams would do it. And now there is, you know, it maybe depends on the swing. You get teams that are so bulky and home run oriented, maybe teams will get back to like, you know, speed and exploiting you know, muscle-bound guys that swing for the fences. But what what would you like to see changed, if anything? I mean, we change other sports. You, there's, we talk all the time in this podcast about things we want to improve. I think the game is perfect as it is. <laughs> I will say that it's it's certainly not perfect, and change will can happen gradually. But it's just too much too soon. It's just it, it is desperation. That's the word, and. Um, the other thing is, if you feel if you you cannot out video game the video game the esports world, you cannot out esports esports, right? If that's what people want, you're not going to suddenly make them be interested in baseball at two hours and fifty sec two hours fifty minutes as opposed to three hours on the dot. Um, there's there, there's just so many entertainment options. Baseball should hold on to its tradition. The good parts of its tradition, it should hold on to, to its timelessness. It should hold on to 
the fact there should be no clock. The minute they started bringing a pitch clock in, it was a slippery slope. And it, it's just, I've, I'm really afraid of where it's going to be in five years. If some people are saying, people who grew up loving baseball are saying it's unwatchable right now. Um, where is it going to be in another five or ten years by the time they continue these the, down this road of trying to win back people they never had anyway? They're trying to win over people they were never going to get anyway on, on this game. And, and I just think it's foolish. We've done Why are they losing the people that they, they I don't know. I don't, I don't know that they really... I think they I think they need to just remember who they are in the grand scheme and and what they're selling what they're selling is the chance to talk in between pitches to the person sitting next to you the, the chance to keep score to maybe they should just educate people on on the timeless aspects of it the things that people do wax poetic about that's what baseball always have the Doris Karen's Goodwin the George Will stuff I can only imagine uh seriously I mean those are the things that will draw people in Thomas Boswell's writing uh it's not gonna be oh bing bang boom you know man I'd say oh wild wacky baseball's not gonna out wild and wacky uh arena football or whatever else they're worried about right now and I think esports is the main thing they're worried about and 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 if, what's the objective? Is the objective really to take an eleven billion dollar sport and somehow make it a fifteen billion dollar sport in a few years, or to max out the next TV deal? Or that, should they really just view it as their stewards of tradition, the most tradition bound game? Not all of it in the best way, obviously. Remember that every Jackie Robinson day. But um, there are there are things about baseball that the other sports will never be able to touch. So be just double down on what makes what made you great. What made you the sport for all those years? Double down on that, and and stop trying to become unrecognizable. We've done 22 minutes on that subject, oh, and I sorry. think we need to move on to the next one. So, because um, well, I got to go I, next because that that's you. because mine that's goes you. directly it goes directly off of what one of the things that Kimball was just talking about, and that's uh, that's the fact that uh, I wanted to talk about the shift. Um, and it's as usual it is brought on by something that i've seen since our last podcast and um i was watching a game uh just the other night but let me preface that by saying in in 2018 texas the texas rangers slugger joey gallo was reading a story about different ways that major league baseball could ban these insidious defensive shifts now gallo who's the poster boy for baseball's three true outcomes home run, strikeout, walk, which we, I think we can all agree have rendered the game nearly unwatchable. Um, he ended up retweeting this story that he read and added the caption, all I want for Christmas, meaning basically he just, all, he just wants some, some way to ban the shift. So here I am on Tuesday night. I'm watching a Rangers-Anaheim Angels game, wondering why the heck am I watching this because baseball is so boring. But anyway, uh, Gallo... Um, who is among the most shifted against players in all of baseball, by the way. He comes to the plate in the seventh inning, and here's the situation. Top of the seventh, Rangers are down by two runs, two outs, and a runner on third base, top of the seventh inning. And Gallo's facing the, the, the classic shift, three infielders on his pull side, one guy playing basically in the shortstop position. And so what does Joey Gallo do? He lays down a perfect RBI bunt to the third base side. And I say, bless you, Joey Gallo. Now, of course, the, this is, this, I'm watching this on MLB Network, and they shift back to the studio, and the talking heads on MLB Network are 
immediately attacking Gallo for not trying to tie the game with a home run because that's that's the baseball world in which we live. Now I'm no sabermetrician, but but I can I can I can tell Neanderthal Neanderthal thinking when I see it. And if you just base it on Gallo's stats in his first 50 at bats this season, he had exactly a two percent chance of tying the game with a home run, and maybe about a 20 percent chance of getting an RBI into the shift. And I would argue that he had at least a 50 percent chance to knock in the run by simply bunting, doing what he did, and probably even higher. I mean, the entire field was there. All you got to do is is lay down the bunt. Now, having visited my share of N- MLB locker rooms, as we all have, my guess is that, judging by the the uh, the IQ in that in that locker room, most of these meathead hitters in baseball today are refusing to do what Gallo did because they fear the humiliation of changing their game plan, their attack plan at the plate because of the shift and possibly making an out. Now, they're really essentially worried about getting played. And I'd argue that instead that getting played is grounding out to right field like these guys do on a regular basis. So God forbid, even if you did make one out, out one out of every three times an out in that situation, you're still a 667 hitter. That's pretty good. And this strategy would would seem to me to leave two choices for the defense, either allow me to be a 667 hitter or stop shifting and play traditional defense. And isn't that a win-win for me? Now, I did a little bit more research and looked, at, looked into some, some thoughts on the matter, and Justin Turner, the Dodgers third baseman, summed up, I think, what's the general attitude of MLB hitters when he, when he said recently that the best way to beat a shift in his mind, is not to try to go around it or through it, but to go over it. And statistical research suggests that the shift does provoke batters to hit the ball in the air more. Shifting basically leads to more of the dreaded three true outcomes. More balls in the air lead to more home runs, but also pitchers are trying to pitch into the shift, cut the strike zone in half by trying to throw almost exclusively inside so the kid, the guys will hit it, hit it on the pull side which leads to more deep counts, thus more walks and more strikeouts. So bottom line is that I want, and I've been thinking about this for a long time, I just want one hitter, somebody, maybe it's Joey Gallo, to really commit to being a shift buster. Not just once in a while, like you see every, every once in a while, but, but in every at-bat. So that guy, in my, in my opinion, will either be the first 400 hitter since Ted Williams, or at least he'll get to hit with no shift. And maybe some other of these reformed Neanderthals will follow suit. And who knows, maybe we'll get back to baseball's good old days, what we were just talking about, when there were actually more than just three possible outcomes. What do you think, boys? Well, I, I do like the shift, and I do love guys trying to beat the shift. I mean, that's exactly what, that's what sports is all about to me. It's just like seeing great athletes counter punch what they do. You know, you're really quick. So I do this. You're really this. So I do that. And that's what the right. of make an match. adjustment, make right. an and, adjustment. And, don't and, just and, yeah. So that's why I don't definition like of insanity, right? the shifts. I don't like outlawing the shifts because really, of course, the shifts for progress. The shifts for people saying, you know, we, we've traditionally stood here, here and here, but even even a 
a guy we don't even think is a Ted Williams type pull hitter. He's really hitting the ball more over here. So let's move over here. You know, let's be where they're going to hit it. And, right. and yes, it is ridiculous that, you know, now the, the answer has become more and more like to hit the ball out of the park and, and, and not worry about the shift when yes, there is a possibility like, how about you just poke the ball down the other line? And it, I've seen it some and, it baffles me why it doesn't happen more often. I mean, you see these rallies, you see a team down by three runs and they get a guy on base and then the next guy up is still trying to jerk it out when it's just like, you know, if you lay, lay it down here, now the time runs at the plate. And and when you see just how far, like anybody is from that line, you know, that third base line, usually we're gonna pull shift for a left-hand hitter. It's like, you don't you don't even have to be a good bunter, just don't be exactly. awful. Or, or exactly. you don't have to bunt. You can slap it. You can just and, anything. And I know, and I've heard some arguments that it's so hard for them to change their swing and blah blah blah, and then they'll do that. I, I don't buy that. Well, I don't either. And I mean, this Joey Gallo situation. There's a guy on third. They're giving you a run. They're giving it to you. And if you say, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go my two percent chance to hit a home run," it's just that idiotic i just i can't i I, it's also uh, selfish to think you're like mm -hmm. the one guy that could change the game with the home run when especially we have power up and down the lineup you Mm -hmm. bunt now let the next guy and if the next guy they still shift on him he bunts and next thing you know you're getting the runs without a home run you know i mean different different argument if there's not a guy on third if if the base is empty am i saying to joey gallo you should you know you should bunt and get yourself on base i mean maybe but but to get the tying run to the plate but but in this in the situation where they're giving you a run, I mean, there's just I don't I just don't see any argument against it. It's ridiculous. Well, a couple things jump to mind here. Um, and of course, Kimball has already mentioned he has to get there real early to the ballpark to watch the, the batting practice. And I'll just start with that. I haven't watched BP in person lately, but as I recall, every uh, guys get three rounds in the cage uh, a couple hours before the game and that first and of course they can take all the extra hitting they want indoors they have plenty of uh, outside of the away from the prying eyes of the scouts but isn't it two bunts you just drop down two bunt attempts you don't care if they're good or not and then you go right to swinging and the smart hitters will try to use the whole field but I've there's nobody out there who's using more than two of his pitches in his regimented BP session on the field um at five o'clock or whatever to to work on bunting. Furthermore, it's very rare that the player comes out at three o'clock when you're just getting to the ballpark four hours before the game when he can drop all the bunts he wants on the field as Juan Pierre used to because he was a speed player. Juan Pierre would go out there and roll the ball down the line before on the first day in a new park to see you know how were they grading the dirt on the baselines it was very it was old school and it worked great for him and he was a wonderful bunter but no one wants to work on that part of it and bunting against 95 plus consistently is hard it is hard so if it weren't uh if it weren't a lost skill uh and paul molitor before he got fired uh used to talk because he's a wonderful bunter he used to talk all the time about he wanted everybody on his team to be able to do it with the twins to bunt for a hit, not to give up an out, but to bunt for a hit when just when you guys are sketching out. Most guys couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. And they, they the ego part of it, uh, uh, every bunt, every every practice pitch at 3 o'clock that they work on or 5 o'clock that's a bunt attempt is another 
something taking away from the stuff they really get paid for, which is to hit it out of the park. So the selfishness is part of it, and the ego and the embarrassment factor is part of it. And the other thing is, it should tell you something that everybody who shifts takes that guy from, uh, if there's even remotely a chance that they think the, the guy's going to bun against the shift with no strikes or one strike, as soon as they get to two strikes, that guy runs across the diamond, and, I, and I've written about that, how they should take that away. Maybe that's the one thing they could take away is just say, wherever you're shifting at the start of the at-bat, stay there through the whole at-bat. But that becomes maddening to see Miguel Sano, <laughs> when he was a third baseman, take a slow <laughs> jog from third base all the way out to short right field because there's two strikes on a guy who's in the major leagues. And obviously, he bunts foul, it's a strikeout. But, he, but he's so unlikely now, no matter who it is, to drop a bunt in fair territory with two strikes successfully that we have to watch. We had to watch Miguel Sano before he was mercifully moved to first uh, trot all the way out to right field. That part alone took about four years off my life while I covered the <laughs> Twins. Just watching that maneuver, it cost you me. You just said you wanted to keep the game the same. I don't know what you're talking about. So the thing... <laughs> My, now you're saying you can't run around between pitches. Stay where you are. Well, get off my lawn and I just field. I did qualify and say that's the one thing. If we're gonna if we're gonna legislate somehow on the shift, the idea that and I've written it. I wrote it in Baseball Digest in 2018, and I talked to a lot of people about it. Um, that's one thing that it drives a lot of people on the field crazy is waiting for the. The, the third baseman to go jogging into right field. And if, if you want to do it between batters, fine. But once the batter, once the at bat has started, stay stay where you where you roughly are, at least on your side of the field. So, yeah. Um, so should we should we like have some sort of some footprints that they have to stand in? Well, one of the in, things you in, can do. Well, one of the things. Well, Perry Hill. Perry Hill, the legendary uh, infield coach, he's he has been putting little markers in the grass and uh, in the short right field for his guys go for 20 years. Um, and I, for all I know, he's still doing that in Seattle. But um, one thing that, was that ding, by the way. some people thought, he's a great guy. <laughs> uh, one of the things uh, people thought in 2018 when I wrote about it and asked everybody their opinions, one of the thoughts was um, – you just had to keep one foot on the dirt. This idea you got to keep both feet on the dirt, that, that might be a bit much. But you could certainly keep one foot on the dirt uh, and and stay on in two and Listen two to yourself. Do you really believe that? Do you really that. believe that you should be able to, you shouldn't be able <laughs> to play, the play the defense where you want to play it? That is stupid. Come on. Listen well, to that. That's if they want, if they wanted to, to have more, uh, if they wanted to end the 4-3, into from where the throw is being made from uh, uh, 130 feet away. If they wanted to end that, one of the ways you could do it, have infielders play infield, outfielders play outfield. We watched a lot of four-man outfields where they're all basically on the warning track too. And all these things uh, were uh, uh, difficult. They, 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 they're seared into my mind, and I don't really – I'm not eager to watch it anymore. I don't know how Kimball has to watch every single pitch day after day. It really has – uh, until the games really matter in history and, and uh, you know, maybe until to check back in September and, I, and I'll really pay that close of attention. But, I uh, love that part. That's the best. I, I mean, I want, I mean, that, that's why the, the Rays are one of my favorite teams because you just never know what they're going to do. We were watching some game the other night where they, I think they were playing like five outfielders. Or something. I think they should be able to play. I mean, maybe they'll, maybe we'll just get to the point where 
you just play seven outfielders with their backs up against the wall and try to prevent home runs. I think that would be cool. This might be, uh, and this popped into my mind while we were discussing this. Another thing, you know, you talk about they're, they're tweaking the baseball year to year, and they oh, they rarely own up to whatever they're doing with the baseball. But nobody ever talks about the gloves. And one of the reasons why people don't want to hit the ball on the ground anymore is because a ground ball is pretty much an automatic out. And it has been for the last two decades. Infielders have become more mobile. And the, and the, so why not make the glove, make the, let's go back to the padded glove, the glove that's not as maneuverable, shorten it. Alfredo Mezica had a little boy's glove when he played on the Marlins. Let's go back to like, just, just make the, make the technology worse. And then so every ground ball isn't an automatic out, and then people you, stop trying to jack it over the fence. You weren't watching the, the A's 11th straight win the other day. I know, the in, Twins. Uh, extra Twins, innings where there were a routine bit, yeah. ground ball to second, the guy booted it. Yeah. And then the very next play, a routine ground ball to third, the guy airmailed yeah. it, and yep. that was yep. the game. Yeah, I, I, I think, looked at that box score. I think, yeah. Oh, the yeah. Major League defense is atrocious right now. Well, no, I, but I can't but definitely disagree with well, you more. No, I I think I think feel, uh, ground ball percentages, maybe the throwing is poor. Ground ball percentages turning into outs. You tell me, Kendall, defensive efficiency over the years on ground balls has has become uh almost automatic. That's one reason why they they tell guys don't a sharply hit ground ball can be fielded. I mean, and plus they know roughly Some of where that you're might be official it. scoring, Mike. I mean, if Anything hit hard and it goes off the glove, they call it. Yeah, hit. I don't know. It's just a thought. We, you know, we have we have gone so deep on these two that this is going to probably be two point range because we're, <laughs> we're down to just a couple minutes. Uh, and so I, all I can, I'm not even going to introduce the full, uh, fully researched thing that I was going to introduce, but I'm going to just give a, a general thought because we're going to have to end soon. But. This is Three Point Range, and you can listen to us uh, via Spotify and Stitcher. Anchor.fm is the host platform for this. We have a substack with information where we can, maybe I can diagram how small I think the gloves should be and post that. Um, and little league size gloves. And uh, we, we also, of course, have a Facebook page, and you can, you, can, uh, you can click on that and take us from the most criminally underrated an overlooked podcast in American sports media to something a little less overlooked. So all I was going to say, and this is a, the broader point was going to be, and I do have to wrap this up. We have to wrap this up. Um, Get it off my lawn is your larger, point. No, no, Get it off my lawn! It's incredible how, and it's not just baseball, it seems like everything is about shortening the game and quicker, <laughs> quicker, and get everybody uh, – Back to, the podcast. back to their regular regular lives, back to listening to their podcast uh, as soon as possible. And so uh, they're giving people less product as consumers. And uh, it just seems to me that if you really like what you're watching, why are you in such a hurry to leave? So they're just, they're by definition, all these rule changes, not just baseball, anything. College football has something that I want to talk about. We'll talk about it next time, where uh, everything is about Get it over with. Just get, now, if I'm on deadline, I want to get it over with. Kimball's got to <laughs> Kimball's got to get back to his hotel oh in beautiful West Palm Beach. He wants he, he wants to beat the traffic. I've seen how the scouts all leave it. They go walking up the steps at the ninth inning. Don't they hardly ever watch the closer? They got to beat the traffic. Okay, 
they, they have a vested interest. But the casual fan or just the diehard fan, anybody, the kid at home keeping score, the grandma, my, my grandmother is still watching the Marlins stage 91. If they had told her, we're going to give you less of the Marlins, how do you like that, 91-year-old lady? She would have been very upset. So um, I just, I just, I think they've all lost their way in some way, and, and maybe we all have. So that's... Uh, so let's extend the podcast. Let's go over time. We, we, I don't, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> really? We've given the people 40 minutes, 40 solid minutes, and I think this is the, this is the wrap-up. So that was really good stuff, guys. This is two and a half, two and change point range. And um, we Shout out to the coal miners. Yeah. Yep, we Loretta Lynn. We think that uh, you should all enjoy uh, your week. We hope you enjoy your week, and we hope you'll rejoin us next week, uh, same place and some certain time, sometime during the week. And leave some feedback, and maybe maybe we'll include it. Thanks for listening.